Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, Series 1, Episode 17, Layering for Cold Weather Fly Fishing. We already know that body heat is derived from food from the podcast on cellular respiration. The more you eat, the more energy you consume, which will then later be released in the form of heat. Additionally, the two largest consumers of calories in your body are your brain and your thermoregulation, which is keeping your body at that homeostatic or same temperature rate of 98.6 degrees. If you are not dressed properly, your body will be burning through your energy to stay warm and keep you warm. And to be dressed properly, you need to layer. I will break down layering into three categories for temperatures in the 30s, temperatures in the 20s, and temperatures in the single digits. Layering will be further broken down by feet, legs, torso, head, and skin. Now for some background information. I wasn't too invested in layering growing up. I didn't go out much in the winter except for sledding when we had snow in D.C. I had waterproof bibs and some old moon boots to keep me dry. My first memorable experience being out in the cold and being cold was during the Bill Clinton inauguration events on the National Mall in 1993 in Washington, D.C. There was a massive concert series at the Lincoln Memorial. I was outside all day waiting to see the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. I had on jeans with those waffled cotton long underwear underneath white cotton tube socks, which I find are probably the most useless clothing invention of all time, probably a sweater and a ski jacket with some basic gloves, and a knit hat that I probably got free in the Washington Post weekend section that had a Redskins logo on it. I was really cold. Later that summer, I went on a trip to South America. We had to be prepared to climb the Cotopaxi volcano in Ecuador. I again employed the same layering techniques. 
I was wearing a pullover jacket I picked up from a friend and a newly purchased wool hat from a market in the Andes. I would have frozen my arse off if I had not been so hot from actually climbing the volcano. A bunch of people on the trip had these, what they called base layers, and they were from a brand called Patagonia. These kids were warm during and after the climb. They were warm when we were all wet and miserable in the Amazon. Believe it or not, it was actually cold and wet in the Amazon and in the cloud forest that we were hiking. I was intrigued and wanted some. Skip ahead several years, and I have a job in a fly shop and began fishing in the winter. I had access to new clothing, materials, and plenty of time to experiment with those materials and layering. I began camping in the cold and further sleeping in my car and a tent. After the fly shop, I spent several years at an outdoor retailer. My favorite season was winter, and my favorite place to be in the store was in the soft goods section. I looked forward to helping others layer and be warm and safe for their winter ventures. Snowboarding, skiing, hiking, cross-country skiing, mountain climbing, whatever they were doing, I wanted to help them based on my years of experience. After a decade of my layering system, I have it down, no pun intended, and I'm going to share that with you as I shared it with a lot of my customers and we discussed a lot with my clients. First, some things to think about. Fly fishing in the winter has us standing still for a long period of time. The fish are cold and they're holding and we stand there in place in the same spot maybe all day working those fish that are not moving. Thus, we're not really getting our heart rate up. We're not releasing heat. A base layer is the next to skin layer. You're going to hear me use that term a lot. It's the thinnest layer, one of the only layers I'll wear when it's in the mid-30s. Your second or mid layer goes over your base layer. Use that when it's in the 20s. The third layer goes over the second layer and over the first layer. Your fourth layer is the outer layer. It's exposed to the elements. It's in constant contact with the air and weather. You also need to protect your exposed skin. Do not wear cotton. Cotton kills was the motto of the outdoor store in which I worked. Cotton absorbs and holds onto water. And when your sweat, which is that water source, cools, it lowers your body temperature. And that can lead to hypothermia. Hypo meaning below and therm temperatures. The temperature below your normal 98.6 degree temperature. Down is going to be your best insulator as your body heat charges those air-filled spaces between the feathers, creating warmth. Down is measured in fill or the amount of feather density per given pocket of stitching. Down is useless if it gets wet. The plumes stick together and there is no space for warm air. However, there are synthetic down products such as Primaloft on the market and those avoid the problem of getting wet. You can find that in gloves, jackets, pants, vests, etc. Wool is going to be the most versatile natural indicator. It maintains its insulation when wet absorbs moisture and will hold on to it and keep you warm. Cashmere is lighter than wool and warmer. Alpaca is the same um, property wise. It uh, is lightweight, warm, and insulating. Alpaca is uh, a mammal from South America. You have vicuña, alpaca, and llamas for reference. Fleece is a synthetic material derived from petroleum and it maintains its insulation when wet. It can be cut to any fabric shape, thus several clothing products now are made from fleece. 
Remember that you lose most of your body heat through your head as there are loads of blood vessels in your head. So all that blood up there, moving around heat, you're going to lose body heat through your head. Layering makes it difficult to derobe to go to the bathroom. The more layers you have on, the harder it is to take your clothes off and go to the bathroom. So you think about that when you're drinking a big cup of coffee before you go fishing. You lose about a quart of water an hour from sweating, and sweat should go from your skin to base layer to base layer, and so on until it's transferred off your skin through those layers to a breathable membrane. Think of a bucket brigade moving buckets of water from one person to the next. That is moving water from your skin to layer to layer to the membrane and out. Layers should have a static cling or an electric charge to them to pull the water off your skin. Do not dry these synthetic items with dryer sheets. We had a woman come into our outdoor store and she needed base layers for her son who was overseas with the military. And they couldn't have any electric charge to them because if his clothes sparked in the dark, it could give away his presence to the enemies. So I'm assuming this guy was probably behind enemy lines somewhere he's not supposed to be. I don't remember what we ended up giving him, but um, hopefully he didn't have any dryer sheets where he was and he could probably keep a little bit of static charge off those clothes. There are several layering brands that will exaggerate your body odor. They will make you smell like you haven't showered in a week. They'll have a definite funk to them. And if you know who I'm talking about, um, you know you might want to avoid that next to your skin. Double up on your deodorant, or I'll talk about them later. And don't just look at fly fishing companies for layering items. Look at ski and snowboard products, hiking, ice climbing, other winter sport brands. All these companies have creative people working on new products to solve the same problems anglers face, which is being outside in the cold in winter and trying to have fun. The wind is an important factor when staying warm. Wind makes you colder. The wind chill is a human created scale that is only applicable to air blowing over the human skin. You're cold when you are wet, when you get out of the shower you're cold, when you get out of the pool in the summer. Maybe hot out, but you're still cold. Remember, water evaporates and makes you cooler. Water against the skin with wind thrown in makes you cold. Your outer layers should all be made of windproof materials. These are non-bulky, so don't think of them as not being warm just because they're not thick. It's technology that makes them thin, which makes them effective. People used to come in the store and say, uh, excuse me, how can this keep me warm? It's extremely thin. And I say, well, it blocks the wind, which is keeping you warm and keeping your body heat in, so that's going to keep you warm and they wouldn't believe me and we'd have them blow on the clothing uh, try to breathe through the fabric or actually take a bike pump and blow air through it and if it didn't blow air through it we usually sold them which was every time wear more layers than you think you will need you always will take off clothes if you're too hot but you can't add clothes if you didn't bring them with you if you go outside and you don't have the proper layers then your day can be ruined your health can be ruined you can get in a lot of danger Bring backups if your partner forgets something or one of you gets soaked. Uh, there was one time that Tom and I were fishing on Big Honey Creek in Thurmont, Maryland. It's about 10 years ago this month almost. And Tom had caught a rock on the other side of this big hole. And I said, Tom, walk around the hole, get your fly out. He's like, no, nah, I can wait across this hole. It's not that deep. He takes one step and looks back at me. He's like, it's not that deep. He takes another step and disappears in the water with his cowboy hat floating. 
He pops back up to the surface. He's filled his waders. He gets out, pulls his waders down. He's got mayfly nymphs crawling all over him. He's pissed. It's about 31, 32 degrees out. He heads back to his car to change. Well, the only change of clothes he had was his mom's workout clothes. That was a pair of uh, sweatpants and a sweatshirt that had little puppies on it. It was pretty funny. Everyone reacts differently to cold. Some are not as susceptible as others. So just because one person's completely layered up and another one's not, um, you know, don't take their advice on layering. Find what works for you. If you know you're a cold person, bring those extra layers with you. Have your skin protected before you go out. And like I said before, if you're too hot, you can take off layers. Um, often I'll be fishing along a, a spring creek in winter and just take off a sweater or a fleece and just hang it on a fence post to get later. If I get cold, I'll walk back and pick it up you know, earlier. It's always easier to take layers off rather than go out and not be prepared and be cold the whole day. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I will assume that you are wearing breathable waders and fishing in the water from a boat or from shore. And when you're standing in that water, that water is going to suck the heat from your body. Remember, heat always goes from high concentration to low concentration, which is why you use a ground pad when you're camping. It prevents the cold ground from sucking the body heat off your body. And again, I will go over layering based on body parts with the feet, then the legs, your torso, head, hands, and skin. Let's start with the feet. I wear merino wool socks. I suggest you wear them too. Look for socks with reinforced toes and heels to protect against abrasion. You don't want your toes and heels rubbing against your boots. The taller the sock, the more insulation. If you can find snowboarding socks, they go three quarters up your lower leg. That's to prevent the skier snowboarder's boot from rubbing their shin. Well, you have extra protection then. Some people wear sock liners as a base layer to keep uh, their feet warm between their foot and the sock. I don't have issues with that except that that may cause your foot to be too tight and you can lose circulation by having too many layers inside your boot. Feet are the least used body part when fishing, when you're wade fishing especially, and therefore will be the coldest part first as they are motionless and in cold water. Feet are the farthest part of your body from your heart so they're going to receive the blood last. You can use hot packs to heat your feet. That's an exothermic reaction where the chemicals react to oxygen when you open the packet. They begin to rust and that lets off heat. Exo is off therm temperature. It's an exothermic reaction. The opposite would be endothermic where things get cold, like when you use a canister of compressed air, the can gets cold, that's endothermic. Be careful that your hot packs don't come loose and they can get wedged under your arch of your foot. That can be extremely uncomfortable. So look for the ones that have the adhesive pad. You can stick those on the top of your foot, behind your ankle, to the sides. They won't come loose. To take care of your socks, wash them inside out. You want to get body oils, dead skin, all that sweat off of the material. If they're washed normally, right side in would be the opposite. Then you're only really washing the outside. 
You want to wash the inside of them. I prefer Smartwool hiking socks. The North Face also makes a similar brand. Uh, my previous experience with Smartwool is I wore Mountaineers, which were terribly comfortable. They're great for wearing around the house, but in winter, when your boots need to accommodate all those layers and have extra space for your toes to wiggle, Mountaineer socks were too big. Orvis sells a three-pack, which is like two socks for the price of one, plus an extra thrown in. I don't know. It's a good deal. You can look into that at your Orvis store or online. Remember that ice forms on felt soles, and you can either freeze your felt soles to rocks when you step out of water, and ice will form on them. It becomes dangerous to walk. Your feet might have three to four inches of snow and ice packed on them. You can't get any traction. You can't walk in the stream. Very dangerous. I suggest you go with rubber boots, which will not have ice build up, and get ones with studs. The metal spikes or studs will offer extra traction on snow and ice. Next up are your legs. Your underwear should be synthetic. Throw some gold bond powder in there for good measure. You want to keep your bits and pieces dry. Your base layer should be thin next to skin material made of a synthetic or wool. Tuck the ankle portion of your base layer into your socks. Wrap athletic tape around the sock if you fear your sock might fall down, but not too tight as to cut off circulation. This will prevent your base layer from coming out and that sock from going down. Your second or mid layer should be synthetic or wool. Example would be 200 weight fleece. This should be a bit heavier weight to provide more insulation. The third layer, and remember, base layer is in the 30s, I'm going to say second layer is in the 20s, and third layer is in the teens. Your third layer should be heavyweight fleece, most likely a 300 weight fleece. You don't want it so thick that you can't bend your legs and climb stairs, roll over a fence, get out of your car, or climb out of a stream bank. If there's too much, you can't get that articulation with your knees and you're not going to be able to bend them. Some pants come with stirrups. I find the stirrups come loose. They often bunch up behind my heel, becomes uncomfortable, cut those off. Some companies make 300 weight fleece bibs, which is the pants with a thin shirt attached. So it's one piece, keeps the body heat in, don't have to worry about um, a draft between your pants and your shirt. I like to wear synthetic pants over all these layers, which will allow me to hold my wallet or anything else I need, my cell phone, which keeps it warm. If it's too cold, your battery will drain and it won't work. You can put these on after you take your waders off to go into a store. Tom just likes to walk into the stores in his bibs with his butt basically exposed and a pair of Crocs and a sweatshirt. It looks pretty funny. He gets a good laugh when people stare at him. Over all of this, you're going to have your waders. Breathable waders do not have insulation. They're a shell. So you have to layer underneath. They will allow you to transfer moisture from layer to layer and out of the waiter membrane, that breathable membrane. Neoprene waders provide insulation, and thus you can wear less layers underneath. As soon as you step out of that water, if it's very cold, your waders are going to freeze. Remember that. I prefer... Patagonia Silk Weight as my base layer. I have a pair of 686 snowboarding pants for my mid-weight. I picked those up at a ski store clearance last year. For my third layer, it's going to be Orvis Gallatin Actionwear 300 weight Polar Tech that I picked up about 10 years ago, or my Orvis bibs. 
let's move on to the torso. The base layer, and this is going from your waist to your neck, from your shoulders to your wrists. Base layer should be shorter long sleeve t-shirt. Tuck that into your underwear or your base layer to keep out a draft. When your waders start moving, it's going to pull and your t-shirt's gonna creep up a little bit, exposing your back to the cold waders. It's not comfortable. Second layer should be long sleeve fleece or wool. I prefer a shirt with a zip neck that allows me to open and close it based on how hot I am to regulate the temperature. I prefer a zip neck with a collar to give me extra protection. Some people like turtlenecks. Tuck your second shirt layer into your second pant layer. So you've got base layer into base layer, second layer into second layer. That is keeping the clothes tight, keeping the warm air in, preventing your clothes from being exposed. Your third layer should be heavy fleece or sweater. I often wear two um, layers of shirts, heavy fleeces, increasing insulation, and then my sweater overneath them. Sweaters should be tightly knit. That's gonna keep the body heat in and prevent wind from getting in, if case this is what you're wearing as your outer layer. Loose knit just lets too much cold air in. It's not worth it. I often wear a down vest over my third layer. This keeps my torso warm while allowing my arms to be less bulky. This is very important for me when I'm wearing my kayaking jackets because they're very small and tight and I don't have a whole lot of room to layer underneath so I wear the vest. It keeps my arms free. I can move a little bit more. Some ice climbing layers have a crotch strap. It goes from the front waist under your crotch to the back and that prevents your shirt from riding up. They also might have thumb holes on them which will allow you to put your shirt up onto your thumb which will extend your shirt, cover your wrist, keep it warm, prevent your shirt from riding up. A lot of running companies make those. Look for shirts with those thumb holes. Um, it's just an extra benefit, extra bell and whistle. Mine also has a hood on it which is good for me. Your outer layer should be weatherproof. A bright color will make you easier to find if you run into trouble and people have to find you. Look for one that has a compatible zipper for a liner. I can zip several of my fleeces into my shell. I can also zip my down vest into my shell so I can have one whole package together. Your two options for shells are down or breathable membrane. I travel with backups of both. A couple of years ago, I slipped and fell in the Salmon River and filled up my arm with water. My jacket was no good. It froze. I had to switch layers. I put another shell on and was good to go. That jacket, it was about 10 degrees out, was um, just a flat piece of ice for the rest of the day until we got it home and defrosted it. Down is going to be good when you're not moving a lot. You can break down jackets into further categories, ascent and descent. Ascent would be when you're going up a mountain, excreting sweat, a lot of body heat, you're active. Descent jacket would be when you're coming down the mountain, you're not as active. So an ascent jacket would be more of a shell, descent would be more of down. So down is good when you're not moving a lot, you're standing in the river, casting all day. These jackets provide insulation, so you might have to wear so many fleece and sweaters underneath. It should have a weatherproof or resistant coating so sleet, snow does not penetrate and get to the down. 
Shells are just that, a shell. They're waterproof and breathable. You can also have a soft shell, which is a hybrid fleece and shell, which came on the market a couple years ago. Those work too. You need to layer underneath the shell just like you would your waders. The shell protects you from the elements rain, snow, sleet, and wind, but doesn't keep you warm. Look for ones that have extra zippers in the armpits and on the chest. You can open those and close them at will to let out body heat. And I look for a shell with pockets where I can warm my hands, get them out of the wind, put hand warmers, an extra pair of gloves. Whatever I need, I can just put my hands in there around my chest area. Look for ones that have something called a powder guard. This would be on a longer jacket. It's built so if a skier and snowboarder wipes out, it prevents snow from coming in. It's a belt that goes on the inside. It clips around your waist and has a sticky rubber which prevents it from moving up and down. It seals out anything coming up. Cold air, wind, snow. It keeps the draft out. It's an extra barrier to keep you warm and safe. I also like articulated hoods that can help me block the wind, snow, cold, whatever's coming at my face and head. I can protect it with an articulated hood. You can look for shorter jackets if you're going to be wet wading. That way you won't be submerging it and having it freeze. The brands I wear, I'm going to have a Patagonia Silk Weight as my base layer. I have Under Armour. I don't wear it that often because it's the tight version and it pushes my hair follicles down and take that shirt off your hair hurts for several hours. It also smells bad. You know, I have to put some extra deodorant on there. My uh, second layer is going to be Patagonia R2 Fleece. Previously I mentioned I've got the ice climbing version with the thumb holes, the crotch strap, and the hood. And I also have an Orvis PolarTech 300 blue fleece top to match the bottoms. One thing I've learned is don't wash um, some types of fleece. It pills up, it sort of loses its density, uh, doesn't feel as comfortable and soft, so if you spill food on it, just get a light wire brush, clean it, but I really don't um, wash a lot of my fleece products. They make cleansers for them, there's certain washing instructions, but I've just decided I've ruined enough, no more. I have a variety of wool, cashmere, and alpaca sweaters. I often switch between my sweaters, but I have a go-to Irish wool cable knit. I can't wear it as an outer layer because air gets in, but as a use as a top over my base layers and then a shell. It works great. It's got food stains. It's been burnt. It's got holes. It's been sewed, patched, you name it. I wear it everywhere. Um, fits comfortably. It uh, yeah, saves my life. Next up is your head. I already mentioned that you lose most of the body heat through your head, so you need to protect it. A neck gaiter is a tube or of, of uh, fleece. Goes around your neck, you pull it over, and it protects basically anywhere from your nostrils down to your collar. And you can get a piece of fleece at any craft store. It's pretty inexpensive. Just cut a, a circular tube about eight inches by a foot, sew it together, you've got a neck gaiter. You can pull it up if it's long enough. It can cover anywhere from your cheeks and nose and mouth down to your collar. A balaclava is a hood with an opening for your face. It should cover your neck and be long enough to tuck into your collar of your jacket to keep wind from coming up. If you are wearing sunglasses and the nose is covered on your balaclava, it'll probably cause your glasses to fog up. 
A good hat is probably the most important layering item. It should be tight fitting and provide insulation to keep body heat in and wind out. Preferably tightly knit wool with a fleece liner or a wind blocking fleece. It should be long enough to cover your ears, but hopefully not too thick that it's going to muffle the sounds coming in. You might not hear a fish striking a fly. You might not hear someone calling your name. Anything else you want to be able to hear. I have often been warm enough that I have to take my hat off. Um, sometimes I've even rubbed snow on my head just to cool down. It's like taking the lid off of a pot. You can release the heat. However, do not lose your hat. If you lose your hat, you are screwed if you suddenly become cold again. Most hats do not provide shade for your eyes. Some winter hats have them. Most often, uh, you're going to have to wear a sun visor over it if you're sensitive to light. I've been known to do that. I'll wear a lighter beanie if the temps are in the 30s. My hat will become more technical and material. The colder it gets, teens and single digits, I will be wearing a Mountain Hardware Windstopper fleece hat that covers my ears. Nothing gets in, keeps me dry. I've worn it for about 10 years now, and I'd be screwed if I lost it. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yellow polarized sunglasses will protect your eyes and keep a little bit of the wind off your face. Um, you want to wear clear sunglasses if it's too dark to wear any kind of sunglasses. I have a turtle fur net gaiter that I use. My Patagonia balclava is bright blue. It looks funny. It keeps me warm. It's got the waffled R2 liner on the inside. And a variety of hats. Hats for me are like shoes to some people. I just have a ton of hats. Anything from Regular fleece to windstopper fleece to ones that cover your ears, some that have uh, bills on them. The Patagonia platypus or duckbill hat has ear flaps and a bill, so it shades the sun. But if it's uh, really windy, I'm not going to wear that. And then it's just a variety of random wool hats um, as backups. I'll wear one hat when I'm driving in the car and then switch to technical when I get there. And don't forget, if you're camping, wear a wool hat or fleece hat to keep your body heat in while you're asleep. Coming up towards the end, we're going to have your hands. Hands are pretty far from your body. They're exposed. So you need to be protecting them because your hands are going to come into contact with water and ice and rain. You need to be able to cast your line, retrieve your line, strip it in, tie knots, tie flies on your leader, etc. If you're layered properly, you should be warm enough that your fingertips can stay warm. Bring several backups for when yours gets soaked. Every time you catch a fish, you might have to stick your hands in for the release. They might get coated with fish slime if you grab one. You're gonna have to have extra pairs because you wanna take those things off before they freeze solid and become uncomfortable. Ice will build up on the skin of your index finger as you're stripping in line. And your wrist should be covered, so the glove should be able to extend up to your um, end of your sleeve to prevent wind, snow, anything from coming in. Palm grips are nice, but they're not required. Several companies make them. That's okay. You've got a cork grip on your rod. should be clean enough to allow a nice uh, friction between glove and cork. The different models of gloves out there on the market, 
we can start with fingertipless. Those have your fingertips exposed. They could either be just the tips or all the way down to your knuckle, more like a weightlifting glove. Convertible gloves are fingertipless with a flap that will cover the fingers when needed, which makes them into a mitten. It also has a fold over for your thumb. There are semi-covered gloves, which have your pinky and ring finger covered because you're not really using those. And the other fingers exposed being the thumb, index, and ring finger, sorry, middle finger. Um, those will be up to your knuckle or fingertip. Mittens will cover all of your fingers. That allows body heat to be exchanged between the fingers in one space, which keeps your hands warm, but there's no real dexterity. Then you have a mitt, which is a hybrid glove and mitten. It has your thumb solo, index and middle finger together in a compartment, ring and pinky finger together in a compartment. So you have even less dexterity, but your hands are segregated into separate compartments for warmth. I wear mitts when getting to and from the stream. If there's a lot of hiking, I don't want my fingertips to be exposed before I start fishing. I'll wear them when I'm using my ice axe to go in and out of a canyon in the wintertime, which is a great way to fish in the winter because most people aren't climbing down there to fish, so those fish haven't seen a fly in a long time. However, in the canyon, um, there's very short daylight, so it gets very cold very fast. Then I can put them in my backpack and then switch back and forth as needed when I'm walking, climbing, etc. I wear fingertipless gloves most of the time. I like wool and windproof fleece. They have to be tight around the fingertips to keep anything from coming in. And again, I said they got to be tight around the wrist. My backup fingertipless gloves, they're wool. They're from the military surplus store and they sell for under $5. So for 20 bucks, I can get four pairs, have them in my waders in my jacket in my backpack as a spare it's a good way not to ruin your day from having cold hands again hot packs will warm your hands my mitts have a zipper on the back i can put hot packs in there they will keep my hands warm you can use the ones for your shoes that have the adhesive use the adhesive to stick to the between the back of your hand and the glove um, make sure you don't burn your hand though if it's touching your skin that can happen I prefer um, not to use those if I don't have to. They're more of just an uh, emergency or necessity. I like to have them in case my hands get so cold that I have to put heat packs in them. Like I said, often enough, I'm layered enough, I'm producing enough body heat and I'm insulated that my fingertips will be warm. If your fingers are too cold, the first way you're going to notice is you're going to say, where's my hook? And then you look around, it's stuck in your thumb because you're so cold, you can't feel that hook getting stuck in you. That's a sign that you need to go warm up. If they're too cold, stick them in your hand warming pockets, pull your sleeves over them, blow hot air on them, put them in your crotch, inside your waders, anywhere where that body heat is gonna warm them up. My go-to glove is gonna be the Patagonia Windproof Fleece Angler's Glove. It's got really tight fingers. It covers my fingertips just enough to where I can have them exposed, where I can tie knots. The wrist is tight. It's got everything I'm looking for. My backups are going to be the wool finger tipless gloves, and then I have some old Orvis windproof fleece, but they're my backups because there's so much space between my finger and the actual fleece that cold air gets in, and I'm not a fan of those. Then I wear my North Face Gore-Tex mitts for complete protection. If they're like my... Windstopper hat. If I lost them, I'd be screwed. 
I've relegated my convertible mittens for walking Dr. Jones. I keep them next to his leash. That way I can uh, fold them over as needed. I can pick up kindling for the fireplace, etc. The last part of your body that has to be protected is your skin. So for what I've talked about, you've got your toes, ankles, legs are covered. Your torso is covered. Your arms are covered. From your collar to your chin should be covered and then your forehead up. That leaves your nose, your cheeks, your lips, and your fingertips. The way to protect those is with a product called Dermatone. Dermatone is the only skincare product that you should use in the winter. It's clinically proven to prevent windburn and it will help prevent frostbite. It is a protective layer like a sunscreen but for wind. comes in little tins it doesn't freeze. You can rub it on your fingertips, rub it on your cheeks, your nose. That'll prevent you from going home and having those completely skin um, destroyed cheeks. Bright red. They're going to probably dry up and get nasty soon. And Dermatone also makes sunscreens that will perfect, protect you and prevent sunburn from light reflecting off the snow, ice, and water. The less exposed skin you have, the better off you are. So it Fingers, tips, and nose, that's about it. Your ears should be covered by your hat. Unless you're not wearing a hat, you can also just wear, uh, I didn't mention it before, but just like a, an ear gaiter. That wraps up the parts of the body that you need to cover to be warm. Um, I've been practicing, working on this for 10 years plus now, and what I do is I've got bags that are just gloves, just hats. I separate my tops and my bottoms. I can just grab things and put them on and go. I can put a spare bag of it in the trunk of the car and know I've got certain layers. I can already have a hat, glove, net gaiter, long underwear, and uh, a base layer top to go if something happens. Some other things that you might want to think about. If you're really cold and need to warm up, get out of the water and exercise. Get your blood flowing. Do calisthenics, jumping jacks, push-ups, Crunches are all good ways to get your heart rate up and move blood to your extremities. You can move your toes like John McCain in Die Hard, and that is uh, fist with your toes. You can scrunch them to get the blood flowing in your boots. Thus, you need loose boots to allow more room for your feet and toes to move and promote circulation. Smaller boots with your extra layers and your feet will swell after using them all day are going to expand and you're not going to have room. Joe, my buddy in New York, wears about a size 14 corkers wading boot with spikes in the winter. That allows him to move his feet all day because he's out there from sun up to sundown and his feet don't get cold. He doesn't have to worry about circulation being cut off. You might want to drink some beer or some schnapps when fishing in the winter. Alcohol lowers your body temperature. It causes your blood vessels to dilate. They're going to go to the surface and you're going to lose body heat. Alcohol also inhibits antidiuretic hormone, or ADH. This hormone keeps you from peeing. So if it inhibits it, you're going to urinate more. You'll get dehydrated, and you'll have to deal with more water being, I guess, evaporated from your skin onto your clothing, and then it's going to cool, and you can get cold. So alcohol, um, avoid it. Caffeine is also a diuretic. It'll make you urinate more often, which also can cause to dehydration. 
You can eat snow if you get really thirsty and don't have anything, no water bottles with you. Eat too much snow, it's going to lower your body temperature. You might not be able to raise that back up. Um, did I mention earlier about hypothermia, Latin term hypo, below therm temperature, your body's below the normal average 98.6 degrees. That's when blood starts pooling at your core organs and stops at your extremities and you can go into shock and eventually die or freeze to death. If it's below freezing and you do have a drink with you, it's probably going to freeze. I learned that the hard way on a fishing trip with Tom on Christmas Eve 2000. My Gatorade froze and I didn't have anything to drink all day. Uh, we didn't have a, a pump. We couldn't pump river water. We didn't have a stove to melt the snow. So uh, I was pretty thirsty. Some jackets, if they're technical enough, will have a water bottle holder on the inside. And that will allow your body temperature to prevent the drink from freezing. I prefer orange Gatorade that's diluted. I'll take one scoop of powdered orange Gatorade and put it in 32 ounces of water. That gives me a little bit of flavor, gives me some electrolytes, hopefully not as much sugar and crappy uh, food coloring that I really don't need. But it helps me stay hydrated. Um, and I just like the taste of it. So that's about it. Um, that's the Fly Fishing Consultant series one episode 17 layering for fly fishing in the winter and cold weather i hope this gave you a new perspective on some of the items you might want to purchase that you already have that you want to give second thoughts to how to organize them once you put them on your body if you have any questions or comments you can email me rob at robsnowwhite.com one w in snow white and if you downloaded this on itunes please give it a rating Maybe comment, let me know that you're listening to it and you enjoyed it. And I should have another podcast up hopefully within a week. Thank you for downloading.